Welcome to the Redshirt Collective, a Star Trek watch-along podcast where we analyze and talk about all seven seasons of Star Trek The Next Generation from a radical leftist perspective. So energized with Earl Grey tea and chocolate from the replicator, set your phasers to fun, and prepare to engage. Ready, Captain? Yes, Captain. Make Make it so. Welcome aboard. Hey, Nick. Hey, Mike. What are we talking about today? So today we're talking about season one, episode 18, Coming of Age, the one in which snitches get stitches. Mm-hmm. So we open the episode with Wesley Crusher running up to another student to console him about the other student not making the cut for the Starfleet Academy entrance exams, which of course, our sweet baby boy did make the cut. Jake I don't know why I put Jake in quotes. That is his name. Jake looks quite downtrodden, but he's very nice about it. Wesley gets called by his mommy to go to the transporter room. And when he gets there, Captain Picard, Commander Riker, Dr. Crusher, and Security Officer Yar are waiting to welcome Admiral Quinn and his Lieutenant Commander, Dexter Remick, who beam in as soon as Wesley beams out to his exams on Relva 7. Picard greets the duo warmly, but they both are stiff as boards and look like they've been sucking on lemons all day. The Admiral demands to speak to Picard alone, refusing to allow Riker to join them despite it being official business. Picard gives in and they go to talk, and now Riker looks like the one who's sucking on a lemon. Once alone, the Admiral informs Riker that Remick is a fucking narc. (coughs) I mean, (laughs) with the Inspector General's office. And we'll be conducting a full investigation of the Enterprise. The Admiral refuses to give any insight into what they're looking for, but insists he believes there's something very wrong on this ship. He orders Picard to assist with the investigation in any way necessary, while Remick stands next to him with a proud, strong inspection boner. We then join Wesley down at Starfleet Academy, where he gets walked in on by a pretty human-looking girl while he's playing with his flux-coordinating sensor (laughs) unit. I feel like we're going to get a a strong rating on this episode. (laughs) Is that that a flux-coordinator sensor unit in your pocket, or are you just happy to see me? (laughs) Oh, my God. She introduces herself as Oleana, and lets Wesley know she's heard about him. They are then joined by Tashanik, a Vulcan, and Mordok, the Mordok, <laughs> the Benzite who constructed the Mordok strategy but isn't in Starfleet for some reason. Mordok looks about 45 years old, by the way. <laughs> and that's not a dig on him or the actor, but like the other actors were clearly children. <laughs> and this person looked very much like a fully grown adult. It was a little awkward. Attack Officer Chang comes in and gives them a big pep talk before releasing them to begin their finals and the kids get to work. Meanwhile, on the Enterprise, Remick the Narc is on the bridge, looking over everyone's shoulders, making them nervous. Riker is pissed, so he goes to Picard and demands answers, but Riker remains vague and orders Riker to cooperate. Riker storms out and off the bridge, avoiding Remick's demands to talk. We rejoin the Starfleet hopefuls as they're asked a question to which the answer is a one-to-one ratio, which made me LOL. (laughs) Apparently, it was a trick question. 
Oleana gripes that she has to work so much harder than everyone else because it comes easy to them and not to her. And when Wesley claims that he has to study all the time too, she becomes an audience insert saying, it's a good thing you're cute, Wesley, or you could be really obnoxious. <laughs> Wesley's all a Twitter that she called him cute. <laughs> Back on the bridge, Remick corners Riker again, and Riker finally concedes to the interview slash interrogation and oh my god Riker says let's go to the captain's ready room and we finally have confirmation that that is what that room is called <laughs> so hopefully I never forget that again but is there consistency throughout the series we'll have to keep an eye on the ready we room. will have to keep an eye out because I'm like are we gaslighting ourselves like is the show gaslighting us or do we just have bad memories uh-huh. to be determined I, but I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna go with the last one you said <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my money is on bad memory, <laughs> but he said it and I wrote it down. So it's uh-huh, official uh-huh. now. That is okay. the captain's ready room. Once in the ready room, Riker acts like a big baby as usual, standing in protest, <laughs> refusing to sit down. And then finally sitting by his signature, swinging one leg over the back of the chair move <laughs> <laughs> and mean mugging Remick, who seems utterly unaffected by this whole display. <laughs> It felt like something out of like Greece or something like he was mm-hmm. doing this cool bad boy move and Remick's just like, dude, sit down. I noted that it was the most hilarious part of the entire episode when Riker just dramatically yes. swings a leg over the back of the seat to sit down. Making direct <laughs> eye contact the whole time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Remick begins his inquiry by stating there are several discrepancies in the captain's logs which finally alerts Riker that it's not him that's being investigated, but Picard. Gasp! Riker and Remick bark at each other, with Riker demanding Remick ask the captain directly about the logs, and Remick accusing Riker of a cover-up. Riker finally backs down, and they continue the inquiry. We cut to Remick talking to helmsman Jordi LaForge, confirming that Picard handed over the Enterprise to our favorite arrogant little shit, Kaczynski, from the Traveler episode, and ended up at the edge of the universe as a result. Despite the fact that he was ordered to do so by Starfleet Command, somehow Remick is framing this as Picard losing control of the ship. Ridiculous. Remick then grills Counselor Deanna Troy about Picard's mental lapses, specifically the time when he was being controlled by the Frangi headache machine. (laughs) As if every single person in Starfleet isn't regularly possessed, cloned, mind-wiped, transported to an alternate timeline or universe, time-traveling, or any other manner of mental lapse on a daily basis. It feels a little precious for him to be pointing this one event out. It almost felt like the setup for a clip show. (laughs) 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 Throwback to earlier season episodes. It's like already in season one, we have like 45 clips of people (laughs) having mental lapses. Lieutenant Worth goes into the holodeck and bumps into Wesley doing a sexy loner wolf moody lean by himself on the wall, (laughs) apparently done with his testing for the day. We find out that there's a psych test where Wesley will have to face his deepest fears and live through them, and Wesley, or his deepest fear, singular, and Wesley is worried about it. He claims to not know what his deepest fear is and therefore can't prepare himself for the test. Worf tells him that thinking about what you can't control only wastes energy and creates its own enemy. 
Sounding like every unhelpful person I've ever talked to about my own obsessive, compulsive, anxious, and or intrusive thoughts. Worf says Starfleet determines a candidate's deepest fears by analyzing their psychological profile and that their predictions for his group were very accurate, including for himself. When Wesley expresses surprise, stating he didn't think Klingons experienced fear, Worf snaps back that only fools have no fear, which in my eyes is a much more helpful statement. Yes. Worf confesses his deepest fear is to depend on anyone for anything, and I'm like, girl, same. (laughs) Wesley says that everyone on the Enterprise has to do that every day and asks how Worf overcame it, to which he says, no, it's still his enemy. It's a very nice chat. It was. It was a big, like, big hearts and butterflies moment there. Yeah, it was very sweet. I love to see, you know, people mentoring Wesley and... Just those like interpersonal relationships that I feel like are missing from the newer shows. Uh-huh. And we got like a real authentic wharf. Yes. Yeah. Like he was being his usual gruff self, but he also is being really vulnerable uh-huh. and like genuinely talking to Wesley, you know? Yeah. And not con- dismissing his concerns, which I thought was really, really nice to see. Because yeah. again, especially for someone like with anxiety... For anyone who has anxiety, like, I'm sure you can relate that so often people are just super dismissive, Uh especially, you know, like masculine men. It's like, oh, we can't talk about feelings or, you know, it's like push it aside. And yeah, it was just really nice that he never did that to Wesley. He was like, yeah, Uh (laughs) that test is rough. (laughs) Uh And and also like, yeah, I still have this issue and I still struggle with it. And I was like, damn, that's great. I know. Good vulnerability. Worf is an amazing character. I'm so, I just love him so much. We love Worf. We love Worf. So back on the bridge, we learn that old disappointed Jake, the student who didn't make the cut for the entrance exams, has stolen a shuttle and is taking it for a joyride. He's headed to Beltane, Beltane, Beltane? I I think it was Beltane. Beltane. Nine to, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, what are Roman numerals? (laughs) Beltan IX to sign <laughs> X to sign on to a freighter. And I was like, is this like joining the army or something? They just kind of said it. And I'm like, I don't know what that means though. I don't mm-hmm. have context for what signing on to a freighter is. But it gave the vibes of like, yeah, maybe going to join the army or something. He says he can't face his father after suffering such a devastating failure and not making it into the entrance exams. Suddenly, Jakey Boy starts having issues with his ship. Apparently, he's unbalanced the dilithium reaction, which, you know, happens to me all the time. That's why I don't drive anymore. Right? (laughs) And is suddenly in mortal peril. Picard goes full daddy mode and takes charge of the situation, (laughs) asking for data and ideas. He instructs Jake on what to do, directing him to aim the ship at Relva 7, the planet where Wesley's been taking his exams. He then instructs Jake to wait until his speed is uh, 0.020 and then restart his engines and pull up hard, which works for some reason. Uh, Jordy explains apparently he built up enough speed and then bounced her off the atmosphere. And I'm like, I don't know. Science? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't convinced, honestly, by the explanation. I know. I'm like... Maybe. I'm, I'm no physicsologist, but I don't think that's a real thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> the crew gives a cheer, and even Remick pumps his fist in celebration, caught up in the moment. Narc. 
<laughs> fucking narc. Picard orders Jake back home. Remick then puts the narc stick back up his bum and starts interrogating Picard about how a kid could so easily steal a shuttle, which, like, honestly, fair. Picard <laughs> assures Remick Jake will receive a strong refresher specifically in discipline, and I'm like, spank me, daddy. Down on Relva, Wesley gets into a kerfuffle with the meathead, and it's the second time this episode that Bogalian sludge rats are mentioned, <laughs> which I just thought was kind of funny. The situation escalates quickly, despite Wesley apologizing for accidentally bumping into the huge man, who I think actually walked into him, but whatever. Wesley then suddenly erupts into anger, yelling at the man and asking him if he wants to, it to get violent. And I'm just over here like, why is everyone a daddy in this episode? <laughs> the man smiles, calls Wesley friend, and walks away happy. Tech officer Chang congratulates Wesley on how he handled himself after Wesley explains he realized the man was Zaldan, Zaldan? from his webbed hand and that they are a race that hate courtesy. We find out this whole interaction was orchestrated as a part of Wesley's exam. Chang says, not all tests are announced or what they appear to be. Mordok notes that he would not have passed this test. Back on the ship, Remick tries to get Data, Worf, and Dr. Crusher to turn on Picard, but they all sass him into the fucking ground, <laughs> showing him nothing but incredible disdain. It was quite entertaining. Then Remick, back with Picard, is pushing him on the incident on Edo, where Picard blatantly violated Starfleet protocol to save Wesley, which, again, pretty fair. <laughs> Picard shows no remorse and doubles down on his actions. I'm telling you, clip show vibes here. <laughs> it really is. It's like, remember that time? <laughs> <laughs> Picard notes acidly that Remick has now talked to all of the crew members, looked through all of their logs, and still has nothing, so maybe it's time to just hang it up. Remick asks if he's afraid that if Remick keeps looking, he'll find something that proves Picard guilty. <laughs> Picard retorts the only thing he's guilty of is letting this charade go on too long. <laughs> He's French, remember? Yes, of course. So he I can't love how they parade. No. Uh, and he storms out to confront the admiral. We join the kids as they're doing a dynamic relationship test, which Mordock claims he can't do. He's kind of freaking out and having a little meltdown. Wesley turns around away from his test to give him a pep talk and some tips, and Mordock ends up getting the second fastest time ever even though the clock stops mere seconds after he finished. Hmm. I feel like that made no sense, but fine. Uh, Oleana fails this test too, and I guess it's a good thing she's pretty. <laughs> Back on the ship, Remick reports to the Admiral's quarters and reveals, despite his best efforts, he was not able to find anything wrong with the ship besides a casual familiarity among the fridge crew, <laughs> to which I'm like, LMAO, oh Remy, if you only knew. <laughs> As Remick goes to leave, he turns and dramatically declares to Picard that he would like to serve aboard the Enterprise in six months when his inspector duties are up. Picard responds with an incredibly constipated look, and Remick <laughs> takes the hint and leaves. The Admiral then, even more dramatically, reveals that he was looking into Picard because there's some big conspiracy at the Federation. Well, he suspects that there is, and he doesn't know if the threat is internal or external. 
So he needs people he can trust in key positions, and he wants to promote Picard to Admiral and have him take over as commandant of Starfleet Academy. Picard looks constipated again as he realizes there was never a problem with the Enterprise and this was all a ruse. Picard says he needs some time to mull it over and will have a decision back to the Admiral by that night. We join Wesley on Relva right before his psych test. Mordok comes out from his visibly shaking, making Wesley all the more nervous. Wesley goes into the room and sits down, but nothing happens for a while until he finally hears a sound outside the room. He goes into the hallway and there are blasts coming from the environmental lab. He opens the door to find one man trapped in the lab with liquid nitrogen spewing everywhere and another man who is not trapped but is panicking and refusing to save himself. Wesley can't save them both before the lab seals itself off to contain the blast, so he begs the able-bodied man to save himself and help him with the injured man, but the other man just continues to panic. Wesley makes a decision to save the injured man, and he apologizes to the panicking man as he leaves the room a mere moment before the room is sealed off and we hear an explosion. Officer Chang meets Wesley outside the lab and informs him that that was his psych test. Chang says Wesley's greatest fear was that he wouldn't be able to make a life-or-death decision because Picard making that same choice is what resulted in Wesley's father's death. On the Enterprise, Riker goes to Picard's ready room and Picard finally reveals the whole inspection plot to him. Riker assumes Picard will take the position, but Picard just vaguely says he's going for a walk. We find out Murdoch won the spot at Starfleet Academy as his results were slightly higher than Wesley's. And I guess, fuck the other kids, it seemed like they were never <laughs> to be <laughs> I, considered. I, I have so many things to say about this, but in I'm a so interested. <laughs> Picard then bumps into Jake in the hallway, who thinks I want to put Jake in quotes every time now. <laughs> <laughs> so called Jake, if that's even his real name. <laughs> Picard bumps into Jake in the hallway, who thanks him for saving his life. In typical Picard fashion, he barks back that it's his job to save his life, after which she seems to have some kind of epiphany. Picard later finds Wesley moping in the conference room, whose name I can't remember because it's been so long since we've done this, and they have a nice chat where Picard reveals he failed his first test for the Academy as well, and that Wesley should be proud of himself and not see it as a failure if he tried his best and that he has to determine his own standards for success and not rely on what other people think. It's a nice chat. Picard lets the Admiral know he won't be taking the position and that he's going to stay on the Enterprise. The Admiral takes it surprisingly well. Picard goes back to the bridge where Wesley's at the helm. They trade a kind of nice recognizing look and then head off to their next adventure. With everything returning to exactly as it was before the episode started. <laughs> ah. Thank God. <laughs> I love that we can all breathe a little bit, you know, more easy knowing that yep. nothing has actually changed. Yes. <laughs> I would not be able to handle any real change. Uh-uh, uh-uh, no. Yeah, I was so surprised. It was interesting, the... um conspiracy thing i don't remember if or how it plays out in tng which makes me feel like it maybe isn't a huge storyline yeah it seemed like they were breadcrumbing for something that they never ended up you know following up on but i, I could be wrong but it's something that they um yeah i agree i think that's my recollection at least 
But it's interesting because Picard, the show, does tap into this storyline. And mm-hmm. I and I didn't realize when I started watching Picard that this had the storyline had actually started in TNG. I thought it was something they just like made up for the show. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so I found it I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I don't like Picard at all, <laughs> the show. Mm-hmm. But I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like it's it's neat that at least it was sort of this tie back to actual TNG lore, which uh-huh. I thought was neat. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hadn't made that connection before, but I didn't watch much of the Picard series, probably the same reason that you didn't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I hadn't made the connection that they actually, you know, bring that up um, yeah. from, from this. Like, hmm. Okay. Hmm. I thought it was very funny that <laughs> the Admiral reveals this suspicion he has to Picard and then Picard's just like telling Riker and just turning down this thing and it's like okay so now there's at least two people who are just running around knowing this information and not (laughs) right but not like involved in the Uh investigation Uh I'm like you're being very casual about something that you seem to think is extremely you know like threatening yeah yeah that whole uh, that whole like plot line didn't really develop for me Mm-mm. No, it was very weird. But I was just too hung up on the fact that this the the whole exam like Starfleet Academy kind of you know background to this episode. I just found all of that way too bothersome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do tell in what ways? Okay, um, my my points are manifold. Oh. <laughs> let me begin. <laughs> let me begin with one. Why is Starfleet Academy so damned selective in terms of candidate recruitment? It's Thank like you. Yeah, they've got they've got like three candidates for this like massive thing. I'm like, how are they staffing starships and star bases and exploration missions and all these things if they're only taking three candidates who are like incredibly bright? So. Problem number one. Problem number two. Why are they using a traditional exam at this far into the future in an enlightened society? I mean, it's so blatantly clear that this type of testing accommodates only a certain type of student. I would imagine Starfleet would be well aware of that fact. And especially just like the uselessness of something like a trick question, unless they're testing a very particular like type of competence so the pedagogy was horrible uh, on on top of that i'm like this this is so patently absurd and that also implies that there's some kind of a selection process where they're like weeding out people it's not like it was even for um a very particular like engineering track within starfleet academy it was just like the academy so i'm like really it's that it's that hard to get in and the testing is that absurd and the pedagogy is that bad. And then on top of it, I, and maybe this is just me reading into it, but but Oleana, I kind of thought they were hinting that her character was like maybe like at least like mildly neurodivergent or that she had some kind of learning difference because of the fact mm. that she expressed how test taking was so hard for her. And yet if they could identify her as a top candidate, wouldn't they also, and they have all these like modern psychological 
you know, battery of psychological tests, wouldn't they also be like intelligent enough as a star, as Starfleet to be able to identify like, oh, this student's not going to perform well in this high stakes testing environment. And so maybe we would have adaptive testing for different parts of Starfleet or for people with different, you know, kind of trajectories of where they want to work in like a research facility or, you know, on a starship or on a distant star base or whatever. Anyway, I, I was quite disturbed by this academy testing business. <clears throat> Said with such disdain. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. And I hadn't even thought about it as like deeply as you had, because that point about Oleana not being a good test taker and that, you know, hinting at perhaps some kind of neurodivergence is such a good point. And the fact that she calls that out, you know, within the episode itself and says, like, it's so much easier for you guys and I have to work so hard. And then, you know, of course, Wesley just like, I mean, he's trying to make her feel better, I think, but she is right that he's being obnoxious because he's Uh just like, oh, no, I have to study all the time. And it's like, Wesley, please don't pretend that things don't come easily to you, like that you don't just get this stuff and that you're not a good test taker, Uh you know? Uh So, yeah, I I agree on all points wholeheartedly. I was just, same question as you, like, even if they're holding these exams in different areas so that they're maybe taking more than the candidates that we saw during this phase, it still seems like not nearly enough. Uh-huh. And then we look at things like um, Kaczynski <laughs> from the Traveler episode. It's like, so he got in, but Wesley didn't. You know what I mean? Right? Like that makes no sense. And like you said, why is everyone going through the same weirdo exam just to get into like general Starfleet rather than, yeah, I could see if it was a track for like a specialized program that is very limited, then okay, at least that makes a bit more sense. But like they're putting everyone through this just to be like a security officer or work in the transporter room or whatever. Like, why do you need to be a genius to work at every level of Starfleet? Because we know that's not true. Yeah. And also it just doesn't make sense. Well, I, I, and then even the psych test angle too, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's like the, first of all, the absurdity of the psych test, but then just, <laughs> right. but you know, and like Wesley, like didn't realize that that was exactly what was going on when this you know, know. strange like, medical emergency happens. You sweet little baby. <laughs> but, but also just the idea that everybody just to get into Starfleet Academy would need to pass this like, you know, really violent horrifying psych test (laughs) it's also just kind of like what yeah and as children you know there's also something to be said for the elitism and the weird i don't know to me it's set up like a weird dynamic that it's like you have to be this special and advanced and able to deal with this much pressure at the age of like 16 15 Uh or 16 Uh just to work somewhere like doesn't that just seem not okay and i had made a note about how much um uh, situations like this there's just such a lack of consent like informed consent about what's happening you know we see on at least the two occasions the fight in the hallway And then with the psych test, there's the entire point of it is that the candidates are not informed of what's going to happen or how they're being judged. 
and they've got to, you know, somehow again, as a fucking teenager, have to know how to deal with a situation they've never encountered before and don't realize that they're being judged at all times. Yeah. And that's like why, you know, again, maybe as an adult, I'm not a big fan of non-consensual things ever, you know, but like, all right, maybe as a seasoned adult, maybe there are some situations in which something like you do need the element of surprise to test someone how they deal with stuff, but not as a child, because no. even if they get in there, it's going to be many years before they're in situations where they have to think on their feet like that. And they'll have plenty of time to train and do simulations and, you know, just have like consensual um, time to practice those skills. So it just seems like for Wesley to have some giant man, like a full grown giant man threatening him and all in his face. And Wesley's supposed to know how to deal with that situation. And the way to deal with the situation was to be violent back, which mm -hmm. is so specific. I don't know. The whole thing was just like, well, that, that seems more like what are you hazing. talking about? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you, you, you look at the contradiction inherent in the episode then, um, when, uh, Jake, if that is his real name, <laughs> steals the shuttle. And and Picard's like, Mr. Curland will receive a full lesson in discipline. Young men sometimes make rash choices. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm like, uh, that's just so inconsistent. Like it, that's not how the system is set up, apparently. But apparently right. Picard has knowledge that the way the system is set up isn't really working because it's, you know, like he failed the exam the first time he tells Wesley. And, um, you know, he acknowledges that, you know, sometimes young people are going to make a rash choice and do something because they panic. You would think if they had that knowledge, then why would they be? It's, it's just kind of like the way we set up schools today. You know, it's like knowing everything we know about um, the, the brain of teenagers and adolescents and their development and their cognitive capacities and, um, you know, the different ways that people process information and whatnot, you know, setting up school the way we do, it, it, it seems almost absurd, um, when we look at what we know. So actually maybe in that way, um, <laughs> they would kind of hit the nail on the head <laughs> and I just, and I just unmade my own point, but <laughs> <laughs> but it just it just seems like one of those things that we just kind of it goes unexamined in that respect it's like oh no you got to pass this test it's like the the absurdity of the test is never really questioned yeah exactly and it just was very strange to me that wesley was helping mordock and not oleana which was fine but it just it was like that He'd already uh, recognized Mordok as exceptional, you know, and Mordok apparently had developed some strategy that's being like taught and used in Starfleet, but like yeah. needs to qualify to go to Starfleet. Just so many layers of it. I'm like, what are you guys talking about? This None of this makes sense. Wesley has been like a key component in multiple missions and has developed his own things. Uh -huh. And figured out his own little strategies. So it's like, that I don't understand. And then we have this test where, again, the answer is for him to, like, get in someone's face and yell at them. Because he has to recognize uh -huh. they're from a certain race that that is how they communicate. But then when he helps his comrade, because he, he knows he, like, that fails. he's capable. he Yeah, 
like basically gets punished for that by failing. And I thought that was very strange because I didn't remember the outcome of this episode. I kind of remembered the episode, but not what happened. Uh-huh. And I, when that happened, I was like, oh, that's probably what gets Wesley in because they're going to be like, oh, your scores were, you know, really similar or maybe even Mordock was slightly ahead, but like you sacrificed your own prestige and performance to like help your peer, I guess. And that would be more conducive to like being on a bridge. But that, which, which even further underscores the, the problem of the fact that none of the test was collaborative, you know, it's like who is really working in isolation in Starfleet or in this like new world, you know, I, like, I feel like they just like kind of superimposed, um, you know, 20, late 20th century sensibilities into this world where that would have been a cool place to reimagine a different way of like doing testing, for example, where like, what if the whole test was collaborative and that it, you know, measured, it wasn't measuring you in comparison with everybody else, but it was measuring your aptitudes in a group like, oh, this is where you're really, you're really good at problem solving, or you're really good at, at leading a, a team, or you're really good at like, you know, bringing in everybody's viewpoint and making a decision or something. It seems like that would be, I'd, I'd way more rather know that stuff than I want to know whether or not you can sit and solve the cube puzzle, <laughs> you know, by yourself. Exactly. <laughs> and yes, and that would have been such a a much more interesting episode, you know, mm-hmm. like just in mm-hmm. general, it would have been yeah. so much more fascinating to see them. Yeah. Work on projects or be put into situations together mm-hmm. and let everyone's natural strengths rise to the surface. And then mm-hmm. if they're being have to be tested, yeah. Part of it can be like, are they able to work in a team? Are they able mm-hmm. to, you know, not worry about their own ego and do what needs to be done to get to solve the issue at hand? Yeah. And then we could have seen someone like Oleana, who's not a good test taker. You know, obviously she was there because she's brilliant and we didn't see right. any of that, right? No. We just saw that she was like whining about not knowing stuff and no one was taking her seriously and she failed to the test and like that was it. We didn't even hear from the Vulcan at all, no, <laughs> which was I know. weird. Um, and so, yeah, it's also this idea that, you know, Wesley is brilliant and that, you know, is, I think, why he's loved and hated, because some people find that he's like a Mary Sue <laughs> kind of type. Um, mm-hmm. So they think it's annoying. And then people like me think it's really like fun and interesting. But we all like everyone who loves Wesley knows it's not his intelligence. That is what makes him a good character. It's his empathy and his vulnerability mm-hmm. and his love of his like friends mm-hmm. and the fact that he'll speak up when things are wrong and do the right thing, which we saw him do during that one test. Mm-hmm. So like it would have been a perfect way to showcase what we already know of this character, which is, yeah, we know he's smart, but like what we really know is that he is just a really good person. You know, he's a really reliable, caring person. And we could have had that be more forward if that was a scenario where they're doing something together and not just like, oh, let's watch Wesley crush all these exams because he's really smart. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and that does remind me, hearing you say that, it does remind me of some of the the good character development that we did get to see in this episode. Like, 
the I'm thinking of the two really candid conversations he has with Picard and Worf, where you see them, you know, kind of like offering encouragement, um, not offering answers, but just like really validating his experience and being like, yeah, that's that that is really a challenge, and um, I'm sure that you're going to learn from it, or that you're going to, you know. Um, that you're going to be successful in whatever way you choose to define that. So you get that, you know, you do get those little glimpses um, in the episode, which is nice. That is really nice. And those are the moments that, you know, Wesley is never afraid or ashamed of his feelings. Uh And I think that's so wonderful. And I think that makes the men around him more open and vulnerable. They really respond to that. And I think, yeah, it's just really sad that it's just really strange. I think what they were trying to do is make Starfleet seem like maybe an Ivy League or something. Like, I think they're trying yeah. to just in, enhance the prestige of Starfleet. Yeah. But first of all, Starfleet's a giant operation. It is a paramilitary uh, institution. They have a bazillion people working there. It is not elite. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like they, no. they have so many people working there that you can't really call it, like you can't really hold it to the standard. Like you mm-hmm. said, they could have said, oh, this is like a captain track or this is like a special air engineering program or something. And then you could be like, okay, this makes sense. And maybe even some of the testing would make more sense because it's like, oh, you would need to be doing some of these things mm-hmm. in real time under pressure. So, okay, maybe then I can wrap my head around it. But yeah, just as is it, yeah, it was just a big bummer. It was like, ew, this just makes me dislike Starfleet even more. I know. <laughs> this is what they're putting kids through and making these children feel terrible and rejected and like not accom- accommodating, you know, disabilities or different capabilities. It just, yeah, it was just a big, a big swing and a miss. Yeah, that was what I, what I thought was the most shocking was just that they were incapable of accommodating learning difference and I was like there's no way that they're gonna have like space travel and and research and you know they're going to be discovering all these things without accommodating for difference like yeah you you just lop off the the creativity (laughs) and the brilliance of you know people who don't test well um which like I said I feel like they kind of dropped some hints at that with Oleana's character but Mm. Um, but didn't really, didn't really fully develop, but we did get at the same time, we got some really golden one-liners in this episode. (laughs) Well, what were your favorites? Well, I, I had a few candidates, so here here are my (laughs) candidates for the best line. Um, she said I was cute. Is that good, Wesley? (laughs) Yes, I think. one (laughs) that was a great line um only fools have no fear of course of course Mm -hmm. and then this one absolutely beautiful leave it to data to come on in and just (laughs) represent um all of us who have a black and white worldview acceptable or not sir it is the truth I love that. I didn't catch that one, which is Uh shocking because we all know Data is my favorite. Yeah. Well, he's and he really channels that um, 
that spirit because Remick is like, oh, that's not acceptable. Like you have to, you know, give me more information. And Data was like, oh, acceptable or not, it is the truth. Data was so hot during that scene. Because, <laughs> 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 you know, Remick was trying to order him like a droid. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you have to mm-hmm. do this for me. And Data's just like, bitch, get this fucking Data out of my face. Like, <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> Oh my god! Like I said, great. everyone was a daddy this episode. Everyone had big dick energy, and I was so here for it. <laughs> yeah, but because it was in the right ways, you know. Yeah. Like everybody, it wasn't like ego. It was like everyone was like protecting each other and looking out for the the best interest of one another. It was like a, a sense of camaraderie I felt in this episode. Yes, as disappointed as I was in the whole testing situation, um, uh-huh. I do feel like this episode did a lot of work to reinforce, you know, just how much we love this crew oh, because yeah. of their connection to one another and how they have each other's backs and just how they kind of move and talk to each other. And I really like did appreciate that about this episode. I found this episode kind of boring. But like mm-hmm. it wasn't bad. It just was very like okay, this these are things that are that are happening. But I do think it's an important episode in terms of that. Like the interpersonal relationships are very much on display and we had so many good moments of mm. people being very in their character, doing things yes. that their character would do, yes. right? And also just this reinforcement of like these people really do know each other and really do care about each other. And you know, that's what I'm here for. This is why uh-huh. I come to TNG time and time again because That's right. I just love seeing those relationships in play. Yeah. Did you now? Did you have any um, any nominations for quotes? Best quotes of the episode? I just had only a fool has no fear. Because uh, it's preaching the truth. It's so good. And you know, of course, I do love. You know, Wesley, if you weren't so cute, you could be really obnoxious. <laughs> That's a, I, yeah, that, that, I see there were some really good quotes in this episode. <laughs> I was like, I like Oleana. I wish she was around more. She was really cool. I know. I kind of, it would be interesting to, to see other young people because besides Wesley, we don't really get a lot of that, but I'm sure they were trying to steer clear of like the teen drama Ugh. Well, we um, do trap. get Alexander eventually, who, you know, no thanks, put him back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they we, they played around with the teen drama, I guess. We don't want to. <laughs> yeah, and it's true. I mean, I have such a complicated relationship to media with, like, really young people in it. Because I'm like, uh-huh. I'm so old at this point. It's just really hard to watch something where it's like the, there's a high school setting or whatever. Uh-huh. But yeah, it would have been nice. I do always like when I see Wesley with other kids because I feel like something, I don't know, something interesting always kind of comes out of it. And you Mm -hmm. get to see him, you get to see him be more awkward, which I think is really sweet and also very accurate. You know, he's just one of those kids who's more comfortable with adults. And so he does like other kids, but he, like, you always get to see him be a little bit more awkward and unsure of himself, but still like really sweet and well-meaning and I just kind of like that dynamic. I think it's cute. Yeah. Yeah. How about uh, how about episode ratings? Did you have a rating for this episode? I did. I couldn't think of anything. Um, did you have a rating? I I didn't really rate this episode. I, I I would rate this episode one warm hug. I was thinking like 
cozy sweater, well-worn mm-hmm. jeans, uh-huh. you know, favorite blanket, something like that. Oh, that's the 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 cozy sweater or like well-worn jeans is a good one because it's like, you know, you're not wearing it out to a dinner party, but yeah. it's, you know, it's always there for you when you need it. <laughs> right. You know what to expect. It's comfortable, makes you feel good. And and this episode it it hit the cheesy tropes in all the right way. Like like I love yes. the fact that Remick wanted to join the enterprise, <laughs> you know. know. And I love his like fist pump when when Picard, <laughs> you know, pilots the shuttle safely back to the enterprise. Like it's it's all those little things where you're like, "Yeah, take that, <laughs> narc." god yeah and it's such like fan service but kind of in the best way of like yeah "Yeah, this is the best ship in the whole fleet yeah (laughs) don't mess with my family (laughs) yeah don't mess with the enterprise (laughs) uh yeah so it did it felt comfortable and it felt familiar like i felt like i knew all these characters you know they all as as exactly as you said they all acted in a way that was very true to who they are yeah like bev crusher had one line, maybe two lines or something, but like when she was, when Remick was grilling her and trying to get her to turn on Picard because, you know, he killed oh, her yeah. husband, she, her, I can't remember exactly what she said, but she just like pff, fucking boiled his face off with like one line and one look. And I was like, that's Bev Crusher at her best, yeah. you know? Yeah. She can be, you know, sometimes I worry she's a Karen. She, <laughs> I think she has questionable politics. As we've talked about, but, you know, Bev Crusher at her finest is a spicy fucking redhead who is going uh-huh. to say the most, like, acerbic thing to just uh-huh. shut someone all the way the fuck down, and she does not give a f- single fuck. And I was no. like, that's my bitch, you know? And, like, yeah. every every character was like that. Every character was just giving us exactly who they are in these, like, very... It was a well-written episode, too. Like, actually, yeah. all together. I mean, we have issues with you know, some of the events that happened, but like as just a, a narrative, it was like Uh very clean. The stories made sense. They held together nicely. And yeah, every person was just written perfectly in character. So chef's kiss to that. It didn't delight me. There was no woo wee moment. There was no, you know, nothing I'm going to really take with me into the future, but it's like a good pair of jeans. Definitely a zero on the woo wee scale. Yeah. But a 10 on the warm hug scale, which, you know. It is. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Well, my friend, next time we'll be back to talk about season one, episode 19, Heart of Glory, where Lieutenant Worf is torn between his loyalty that, to the Enterprise and his fierce Klingon heritage when two Klingon fugitives take over the ship. Oh, well, that sounds really exciting. And. If anybody wants to hear about it, you can talk about it right here, or you can shoot us an email. Uh, and what at, is what is that email address? I believe that email address <laughs> is a callback to our first episode, uh, where we get a saucer separation or a sauce sep in the uh, in the red shirt collective parlance, uh, and that email is sauce.sep at gmail.com. We respond it. to every single email that we receive. We do. It's probably because we're not flooded with them at the moment, but. (laughs) (laughs) So get in now before we take off and get famous and you can get a personalized response. That's right. (laughs) All right, everyone. Uh, We've had a blast. Pun intended. 
And <laughs> we'll see you on the next one. Goodbye. Make it so. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us today on our mission, comrade. To keep this galaxy-class starship chugging along, we need your help. If you like the show, consider supporting us by leaving us a good review on iTunes or your preferred podcasting app. Follow us on Instagram, share us with your friends, promote us on social media, or become a financial supporter of the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash redshirtcollective. Now, get off my ship. 